the Cybersecurity Podcast. Hey, thanks for listening to Hackwork. And it's a pleasure always to do this show together with my fantastic co-host from Washington, D.C., Tyler Cohenwood. Hi, Tyler. Hi, it's awesome to do the show with you, too. And you're yes. coming from Germany. <laughs> and this episode, we have as well a special guest. It's John. And John, hi, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thank you for hi, having John. me. And John is one of the founder of the Automotive Security Research Group. And I mean, this is immediately leading to the topic of this show. We are talking about automotive security, connected cars. What can go wrong with it? <laughs> <laughs> so. So what can go wrong with automotive or security and automotive, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think lots of things. <laughs> And uh, of course, one of the most important ones is safety. I think you guys, this is pretty, uh, pretty normal to check out that that safety is going to be one of the biggest issues about vehicles on the road. We have to keep in mind too that security is going to affect not only us in the vehicle or not only the vehicle itself, but also other people around the vehicle, pedestrians. You know, people walk in with their groceries across the street and everything. Um, it's we have to make sure that these cars are doing what we have told them to do. And in the future, maybe what they're thinking about doing anyways, like automo aut autonomous driving. Can I do a very, let's say, hard question to you? Uh-oh. <laughs> Why should we connect cars? <clears throat> Actually, I don't think there's any need to do it. Right. The reason that we're connecting cars to cloud or other sources where it's we don't create the data sources inside the car itself. Right. So actually consumers themselves. So people like you and me want new features and functions in the vehicle. And so the market is actually driving the need for connected cars. Right. So each uh, OEM, um, I'm sure they would rather be like, okay, listen, I don't have to connect cars. I don't have to worry about all this back end or connecting cars to other networks. That, that sounds like a lot of hassle and a lot of money, which, you know, I don't want to spend. But since the market competition or the, the competition in the market with all these new features and functions, what's the weather today? Um, you know, what's on my calendar, um, you know, Spotify or who, my music. whatever music <clears throat> services, podcast. podcasts, of course, <clears throat> all of these different ad additional functions are creating the need for connected yes. vehicles. Well, and, and I think another answer to that question is, <clears throat> um, we have a connected house we live in a connected world. I mean, there are connected light, smart light bulbs. There's smart socks, smart mattresses. My dog now has a smart collar that can track his steps and everything else. And he does way more steps than me. And I'm very jealous about it. But because <laughs> I, because like John said, the market in every other respect is calling for it. And there is kind of something nice for about some of the, the connected features, you know, being able to connect your phone to it. It also kind of, that's scary to me too, because there's a lot of issues there, but <clears throat> I mean, you, you kind of have to, the market's requiring it. 
Tyler has your doc signed a data protection approval. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I was, I was telling, I was telling Mirko and John about this before we started recording, but um, in, I started getting kind of obsessed with <clears throat> the forensics of the connected cars and where it was going to go in like 2008. And then in 2011, um, I, acquired a Ford Fusion and um, we kind of took it apart because Ford was really leading the way back then with the telematics and, you know, got the hard drive and were, was able to kind of get evidence out of it. And I know that was a million years ago in, in cyber terms, but what, you know, what's a hard drive? Really, ex exactly. <laughs> they don't have hard drives anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's solid state now. I totally, okay. Let's say it in that way. Of course, my new car as well is connected. Um, but to be honest, as a consumer, I have almost no choice to buy a car which is not connected. And I think by 2024 or something like that, the regulatory requirement is as well that every new car will be connected. So I think there is no opt-out anymore as a consumer. Yeah, I Do we need an opt-out? Should we have an opt-out? These are all questions that, to be honest, I I don't really have a good answer for. Um, but for myself, I think OEMs should offer some kind of non-connected car solution, right? But uh, in that case, how do you ensure that the car is, you know, we have all these tuners and stuff that actually you know, that are making modifications to the vehicles and stuff like that, uh, which are not connected anyways, right? So I, I think we always have that topic of security in cars, whether it's connected or not. Um, and we need to, it, connected, fine, whatever. But for me, we always have to have some type of security uh, solutions built in. Yeah, okay. I, I totally understand that a car, let that a car is always, the cybersecurity is, is always tied to safety because this is a lot about safety issues, mm -hmm. and safety for passengers, or you said the people who are on the road, uh, in traffic, other people, pedestrians and so on. So there's a lot of safety stuff in there. Uh, I, I totally understand that. Um, I do too. However, if I look at my new car and my new car is... Um, connected and, and I have all these brilliant features like now I have a smartphone and I get all the telemetric data of my car on my smartphone um I can unlock my car with my phone great no wow. don't say that you can't no let's yeah a feature <laughs> I know I've this but for. I don't like it <laughs> a feature I, and I, I've waited for okay um, then as a cybersecurity expert of course I think oh what is the complex IT infrastructure in behind I mean This car is now, there is an air gap between a smartphone and a cloud service. There is a cloud service in behind. There is an air gap between the car itself and the endpoint at the manufacturer in the cloud again. So uh, I think this is a super large attack surface. It, it is. I mean, if, if it, I think if I were going after it, I would just go for the phone. It's the lowest hanging. Yeah, me too. It was like I was thinking <laughs> about a system. And of course, the first of all, I would go for the phone for the smartphone app because it's so easy to read the traffic between the smartphone app and the cloud service in behind. And then you assume as well that smartphone apps are always many of them are not very well pro programmed. <laughs> 
um, yeah, I, I think that's maybe a low hanging fruit. Yeah. And you talk about all these like connected devices or, or different people being involved in the, the use case, right. Of unlocking your doors. Um, and we always talk about these security goals, you know, confidentiality, integrity, availability, and authenticity as well. And how are all these things kept through that chain, right? And it's take a take a easier example from inside the vehicle itself, right? We we trust what we've built, right? Cars are built a certain way, and we should trust that they always remain that way, right? Well. Think about what happens when someone is modifying the car. How do you actually trust that as soon as you've broken that integrity, the, the integrity of a vehicle, how do you trust that the data coming from these sensors, which you're making decisions to unlock the doors, for examples, or that you are um, driving in the right side of the road, or who knows? Uh, I... You know, we don't have to make it even complex. I think there's so many topics of security within the vehicle itself before we even start connecting iPhones and uh, smartphones to unlock your doors like uh, Mirko has on his car, which I definitely do not. You know, Festiva doesn't come with that option. Um, but <laughs> the <laughs> I think in, in general, uh, it's a data security topic for normally and it should be pretty simple the complexity comes in the different variants the different ways we connect things and keeping the chain of the data always well cia right yeah oh, now now i've just triggered the, the cia no, no all good cia no it's of course i think it's already a super complex techn technical art architecture which is in behind and then if you look into the car of the future it's of course like a, like a modern smartphone no modern smartphone has the same software <clears throat> setup of course there's a there's a common operation op operating system with a certain version but all people have different apps on it so it means that no smartphone has the same software setting and to me the car of the future is exactly the same there will be no similar software settings and then of course this is increasing the complexity of the entire system as well like uh, what if an a single app is the weak spot like there is an buffer overflow exceptional whatever evil zero day exploit used via a single app which is not originally from the oem it's just a uh, a third party app and it's compromising the whole system. Yeah. But that's in anything. Yeah, even with the toaster. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <Or> the smart <laughs> socks. Or the I'm smart so busy socks. thinking right now. I'm like, hmm, I think I may try to do a sim swap swap and get Mirko's phone so I can start his car from here just at random intervals. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what 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 I was thinking about is like if we look at a smartphone, a smart home. Um, of course, you have a lot of smart home equipment and you can't be sure. I mean, there's uh, as well a lot of crap, insecure crap in your smart home. But at the end, I'm owning the router. So let's say the access point to the internet is my router and I have a lot of control uh, via my router to have a look what kind of traffic is coming 
into my network what's going out. Uh, I can block certain device, uh, block certain addresses. So um, I have a lot of um, sovereignty as a as a user in that systems because I'm I'm owning the router. Let's say it in that way. For the car, to me, it's a complete black box. I mean, there's a router in the car as well. I would assume it works like that because, I mean, it needs to establish a secure connection. Uh, but I have no access on that router. I don't know what kind of traffic is coming in and out. Yeah, but I, I would bring another argument into that situation. You are setting up that router. So whatever you do, it could be that you are like yourself, you know about routers and how to set them up correctly, right? You, well, that's right. And then routers um, normally are not very secure, right? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's, this and TP totally Link. And, uh, um, so, I mean, we have all of these different factors like manufacturing, design, also the people using them. Uh, we can just make accidents. We're all human, right? And uh, But then you go into a car, right? And the car is set up for you. We have control or the OEMs have control over all of the different settings. They are responsible. However, you own that car, right? So it's a little bit different dynamic here. Um, and the manufacturer is, even though you own that car, you own the data that's in it. Maybe that's always a different discussion, but, uh, <laughs> I think if could be a long podcast, if we go in that yeah, direction, yeah, yeah. no, we, we, we cover that on a other. I was so going to go there next too. Yep. <laughs> um, but I think in the vehicle, it's a little difficult because you have to, assume that the manufacturer has done everything in his or her power to make sure that he has security built in, right? And you are trusting, giving your trust to an OEM that this is all done correctly. But I remember that we had the same discussion on medical devices too. Oh, some people we're going to go the there now? No, there were some people in the hacker community who claimed, I want to know, I want to have access on the APIs of my medical device <laughs> because I want to know what kind of traffic is coming in and out. And I'm, as a new car user, I don't tell you the brand, but John knows the brand. Um, of course, I want to have access on the API. I want to know what kind of traffic is going in my car and out my car. And the only way to do that is to hack my car which is maybe illegal or um, use a, a inside catcher to build up my own cell yeah. phone. That sounds uh, good. Yeah. That Let's sounds do good. that. <laughs> yeah. But which is, you know what? I, but, but I, you know what I mean? It's, Ford it's, Fusion. I'll, I'll help you rip apart your car. <laughs> I can't promise like, you can put it back together, but <laughs> where did this piece go? Yeah, but there's no easy way. Even on my HMI, there's no interface where I can say, "Look, let's give me a let's give me a console monitor to see what kind of traffic is coming in and out." Yeah. Well, and there's also information that's going to satellite too. If you're using one of those global assist types of, um, you, you know, I wonder if if information on if you're speeding, um, if that is collected and potentially sold to insurance companies. I know there are things you can put in your car to get a lower rate on your insurance that show that keeps you from speeding essentially, or it tells on you if you're speeding. Hmm. 
is that is that something that's that's being collected or is that something that is probably going to be standard on on cars so actually i don't really know um you know um coming from the asrg side of things and what i know from open market uh i really don't think so i would hope not um but you never know for sure and i i think this is critical for us as as users of the product the vehicles and so on that we take this on that we should be responsible to find out about what is really going on and this this i think is something that we we always say in asrg right it's our responsibility to test to undersure ensure or to understand what is going on in the products that we purchase. And I think, you know, I wouldn't want to say it's hacking. I would say really that, hey, listen, I purchased a product and I want to know what's going on behind it. And that's my right. But uh, this whole legal concept behind of, you know, depending on where you do it and how you do it, but as long as you have a a good kind of... uh, a goal in mind, you're doing this for good things and not to hack other people's cars. I think this is, should be done, you know, in the public, in the communities, test your products, be a part of the solution. Don't use it for exploits, but really check what's going out there because we all make mistakes. Even the people designing and manufacturing product. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, you know, there's a lot of benefits, too, though, when I think about um, the potentials of what the car can do. I mean, I'm sure that there's some type of crash avoidance um, mechanism in the connected cars now where they can. Well, I know mine does. You know, if I start to move into another lane and there's a car there, it's like it (laughs) shakes the whole car. (laughs) (laughs) Remind me not to drive with you. (laughs) (laughs) You, you wouldn't be the first person to have said that, but, <laughs> but, you know, that kind of stuff is really helpful and I'm sure that it's, it saves many people's lives. <clears throat> right. The, the safety aspect of, of vehicles has been going on since I, I guess when, when I started to become an engineer, oh man, I, I don't even know when that was, but let's, let's say 20 years ago or so um, when, with the ISO 26, 26262, where actually they were able to standardize at least the way that safety or the safety critical components in a vehicle should be designed. And they started with the design first, and then of course, working their way up through the abstraction layers into the functional layer, where actually we're our behavioral model of where it's actually helping us be more safe on the road, right? And and safety for me is really interesting. Safety for me is actually one small part uh, it, when we look from a data perspective, right? If you look at what kind of safety functions, safety-related functions in a vehicle, then we have to look at data. Data has to be integrity and always available at the time it's needed. So right there, we're talking about two data goals that we actually have in the complete security world, right? And uh, it's always interesting for me, people say, ah, safety is really important. I'm like, no, really, we need to focus on security only so that we can enable safety in the vehicle. 
And so it's, for me, it's always a, a data or a discussion of what's more important, right? And I always say that security is more important than the safety of the vehicle because we can't ensure safety without security. That's such a good point. <clears throat> yeah, you can't. Yeah, they go but, hand in hand. But if I look at, at a vehicle design perspective or let's say vehicle platforms, I mean, the industry has worked the past 30 years with Canbus and and all this yep. pretty, let's say, robust uh, designs where security was not part of the design. But, and there was not, no, no need for cybersecurity because they were not connected cars. Um, and now we are in this transformation where connection is coming in and you have still this old Canvas operated platforms. And of course, you're getting um, more, let's say, attack vectors on that because mm -hmm. you can hack it. You can hack it. There, there's a lot of proof of evidence for that platforms that's possible. So, And what I know from the industry that now the next generation is coming into place where this Canbus stuff is eliminated and you are on, on IP protocols and all the fancy stuff inside the car. Uh, but the question to me is always like, if I look at in the internet and in the internet protocols, I mean, the internet is also not very safe and, <laughs> and secure. So you are using a technology which has been approved not to be secure Uh, now with the argument that it's being more secure than the previous system. But to me, it's maybe only more complicated. Yeah, actually, I would argue that actually from 20 years ago, the assumptions have actually changed, not necessarily, um, you know, connected car, or not connected car, or CAN bus or, or Ethernet. Actually, before it was always assumed that a car is built a certain way, And it stays that way, right? And so we always assumed that uh, the, the ECUs were always the same, that um, we could trust the, the sources of information because everything was coming from inside the vehicle. Um, and, and slowly this changed over time, right? And to be honest, I, I love CAN bus. It's a, a really great communication, uh, physical communication um, layer uh, solution. Um, but unfortunately, it was because we had those assumptions in the past, I think Canvas comes from like Bosch uh, originally, and then, then Vector took it over in the 1980s, right? And um, so Canvas is, is still providing its solution. It's still a great thing because in vehicles, we have always this issue with uh, electromagnetic um, interruptions and, and stuff like this, EMC-related topics, which are killing the communication on the physical level. level. Yeah. Um, so CAN bus is really a nice solution for that uh, because of the twisted pair. Um, but now we're getting to a point where, of course, we need to, uh, we need to put in more layers of, of security into it, right? It's encryption or... Um, I think before we only had a three bit CRC check or a parody in it, you know, like, like old 14.4 cave baud modems. Um, but you know, this, the CAN bus is still good. It just doesn't have enough bandwidth any longer to really manage these additional types of security measures that we need. 
And so actually you, you look at new options in the, the EE architectures, how to solve these problems, right? You can't stream video over a CAN bus. I, maybe you could, but... Why I mean, would you want to? Well, sure, there's a proof of concept out there anyway. <laughs> Someone's going to do it now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, so of course these new features and functions required by the market are now making changes or requirements into the vehicles. We see different um, types of physical layer methods and, and you see more and more of ethernet coming in. Uh, it's always an issue. I think we had FlexRay before. FlexWay was a real-time solution with some additional security uh, opportunities. What is, I wouldn't say solutions really, but at least it was uh, reducing the attack vector a little bit. But uh, FlexRay was so complicated. Uh, we love the guys at Vector, but I mean, goodness, uh, they really put in the time to make it so that only the experts can set it up. And then we move towards Ethernet, which is still great. Uh, unfortunately, we can't use the same exact uh, medium for in the vehicles just because of the data and the EMC aspects that we have. So we're looking at, you know, twisted pair, the kind of same physical level elements that we have on the CAN bus, right? Um, just with, you know, built on the different layers, the same as the internet in, uh, what is it? T what's it called? Forgot. Uh, IP T uh, IP. IP. Thank you. Oh, okay. So same type of stuff. And then before you know it, you have Linux running or QNX or something, all these different operating systems on the, the ECUs. And basically you're driving around your IT infrastructure on wheels. Is there so. a standard? Is are, are there standards for different car manufacturers on how the tele the the telematic system, the whole comm system, is going to be set up and how they do the security? So a standard? Um, no, uh, actually, this is still kind of too early in the game to have a a, a standard which is for each particular OEM relevant or valid. Um, I think every OEM has their own strategy based on how they see their risk themselves, you know? So each one has decided what's, what is, uh, what needs to be encrypted or not encrypted, which one needs to be over private APNs, which one can be, you know, there's so many different things about, um, because everybody uses the data differently. Yeah. And we come, we keep coming on this thing, data, data, data. I'm the guy that starts from the ground and goes up. So from the smallest uh, building block all the way up into the functional or, or behavioral uh, type models, because however you use that data is going to determine how you need to protect it. And then it's an ecosystem as well. If you look at a major first tier supplier, I mean, a lot of, Automotive components are designed and built by first-tier suppliers, um, and they have as well their stake in this game. Well, in just like what I said as well, you bring in this new supply chain concept, right? 
And then everybody only has their small view of how their component or how they think their component will be used. Right. They might not be considering every use case and they're just going to say, this is my component. Here's my risk that I've evaluated. And they said, my, this is the way I evaluated it. Mm -hmm. So then how do you know how it actually fits into the entire ecosystem? Like you said, Mirko. It's subjective. And you got different people doing different types of risk assessments on different components. Um, even if you have all the same resources, do the same evaluation on the same component, you will always get different results. Unfortunately, we're human. And, and <clears throat> I mean, I think it's interesting too. remember in the old days before connected cars, you know, they would have recalls and you'd come in like maybe the stick shift or something like that was there was some a problem but now i think they're going to have to start doing security updates too it's over fun, the air funny story about my new connected car because i have the first security advice there i'm going to have so me, much fun with that car <laughs> and it tells me there is a there's a security issue and it tells me the number of the issue that's brilliant Will yeah. you take a picture of that and send it to yes, me? Yes, I, I will post it. I will post it on social media as well, uh, because I think that's so silly. I mean, I want to know what's in behind the message. <laughs> I wonder if you can figure that out. And I'm sure somewhere, somewhere on the internet, they have posted these Maybe. internet, oh, yeah. uh, these security uh, numbers, so that as soon as you post that picture somewhere, someone's going to know what's wrong with your car, right? Yeah. Should I do that? That's should I do that? I think you should just tweet it out and say challenge people connect to my car. Yeah. Actually, that's a great idea. Okay. <laughs> Let's do that tomorrow. But first I will do a research as well. What is the what is <laughs> what is the reason behind this security uh incident number? Well it's interesting. Yeah, but, I wonder how how are oh I'm sorry, Mark, I didn't mean to No no no, it. it's just like with the over-the-air updates, I think that's a super specialized topic. And and I mean yes. I'm digging in the industry over the air update topic since now three years, and I know like how complicated it is to it's not, I mean, normally you would say, oh, it's so easy. It's like on a smartphone, like Apple is doing, but it's, this car is a much more complex product than a simple smartphone. There are a lot of more components in there. And as John said, this is also about safety. I mean, uh, it's not so hard if an over-the-air update fails on your smartphone, I believe so. Nobody will crash on a... Uh, but I they do have some safety issues these days with lithium-ion batteries, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. There's as well maybe a safety issue, but for a car, I mean, this is so related to safety. I, I always love the example. You know, um, you know, you're driving down the road, and you know, you're coming up to the red lights or a stop sign, and then uh, your car on the 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 dashboard saying, uh, updating, please wait, you know, updating brakes, right? So, and then you're thinking, yeah. oh, my I would God. like to see that updating brakes, not updating. I don't want to ever see that when I'm driving, yeah, ever. Updating brakes, that's what, what I want to know. Right. And then you have to wonder, okay, are these things going to work or not? So it's always good fun, but you're completely right, Mirko. This over the air update is 
is a, a topic for everyone, not just automotive. It's for iPhones and, and uh, Android and all kinds of fun stuff, but even toasters, right? Uh, that's always a consideration. <laughs> Those things are socks. dangerous. Or, for example, let's take this Log4J issue we had. Like, as you said, there's a lot of Linux built in the car. Mm -hmm. This Linux is built maybe from from a second tier supplier or third tier supplier because it's on a small component in there. So there are a lot of components who are running uh, open source stacks and for good reasons because this is just, I mean, they are good stacks. But mm -hmm. of course, there can be vulnerabilities in stacks like Log4J, for example. And of course, now, <laughs> as I mean, there is a need to patch this thing as fast as possible because this is really a super serious security issue and then you have a fleet of let's say two million cars out there so when do you apply the patch who is applying the patch uh, um, and how do you know it's legitimate exactly how do you know and, it's legitimate yeah. and let's hope that it's not coming from your phone <laughs> yes and let's hope hope it's not coming from the bad guys and so there are so many things around that ota stuff which makes it so complicated in practice yeah and the one different thing that we have in the automotive industry of course is the supply chain right and you know, sometimes, you know, the the suppliers, they have no idea what's really in their software because they have hired someone to do some yep. software work. And those guys have actually purchased a software from someone else's brother's uncle's cousin. And then before you know it, Log4j is actually in there, but no one has any idea why or how or whether it's being used. This this topic of identification you know the the relationship between an asset of a vehicle and where is this log4j inside of it this is really difficult with such a supply chain so um first issue of course always is going to be identification where is this thing so and i think therefore you need a completely complete software bill of material of a car i agree with you there Mirko. Yeah. There's no other chance. It should come with like the 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 book, you know, the book how the quick start guide for all the things on your your car. It's a big software bill of material. Maybe you you should not print it out because they are over there. That was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think there's no other solutions for that. And then even like I've learned as well, like there are IP issues in there, like that some supplier says, no, I don't want to disclose that because there is IP related, blah, blah, blah on my software stacks. So uh, I think the industry has to do a lot of work to get the transparency inside their products yep. for themselves. Let's say it for themselves, not only for, not for the consumers, for themselves, like that they know what kind of software stacks are running. Yeah. Know what you're selling, right? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder why they don't know it, but it's... it's... I, I don't even want to ask the question. <laughs> ask <it>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, That's a real big issue, though. And then think about identification, right? And then uh, because you have Log4j, it doesn't mean that you're actually uh, affected by it. Right. There's right. 20, 20 different layers or levels of different things you have to consider whether or not 
this uh, issue has an opportunity to make an to have an effect on your system yeah. and ultimately either the driver or the car. And uh, that's also really difficult uh, dealing with the, the risk models, right? So understanding how this log4j can create uh, an, an issue on your vehicle. And then you have these experts that really go through all these attack chains. And those guys really know what's going on. But uh, first identification, evaluation, and then you start talking about, hey, listen, we got to mitigate this or do we accept it and say it's hey listen it's not that bad um it's it's a re real huge process and an issue because not only the the solution the the vehicles think about the processes behind it the people you know the uh, the resources that you need to evaluate all of this and before you know it, we're standing right before the next regulation topic or regulation R155 uh, here in UN-related countries. And uh, those, the, that regulating body is requiring this to be, to have proof. So really interesting what's happening in the next year or so. It'll be really interesting. I, I have a crazy question here. <clears throat> so uh -oh. have, 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 have you guys heard, um, it's, it's been in the news a little bit. So um, here in the States, the FAA um, <clears throat> has been up against <clears throat> uh, internet providers because <clears throat> um, 5G, they say, is potentially messing with the comm systems in the plane. Does that will that affect cars as well? What so I think uh, from my unresearched uh, understanding. understanding, right? If I remember correctly, the five G is actually having an, a conflict with the landing uh, systems, so the guidance systems mm -hmm. for landing. If I'm correct, right? P probably. Okay, well. In any case, I'll try and answer, but I have uh, no idea. Actually, 5G is what we need in connected cars for the next features and functions, right? We need that extra bandwidth. And we also need the the the, um, the quick hopping, right? right. That we're sh Because we're going to start seeing this V to X topic come in, talking with other vehicles, having mesh networks on the roads themselves that you don't actually need to have a cell phone tower. So actually I see 5G is not as a an issue or something that cre could create a conflict there, but I see it as actually something that will enable us to first bring new features and functions and probably afterwards will include security maybe. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Because, yeah, the 5G will bring <clears throat> a lot of additional functionality and, you know, being able to get information really quickly. And in the mesh networks, that's awesome because that can be crash prevention, too. Right. Yes. But, uh, I mean, it's a good topic in terms of that there will be, I mean, there are a lot of RF connections and different RF technologies used 
even like not only from the car, but uh, as well systems who are connected in the traffic systems. So this is a completely mesh of different RF connections in the future. <laughs> and then you have other systems like LIDAR. And I mean, there are a lot of other systems which are broadcasting electro... I, I, I mean, of course, it's... I think interesting to see how robust you can build that because I will assume that there are a lot of interferences between all these different layers and and systems when they are really on the road or on the mass level in terms of sensor security and safety. Yeah, how can we? You're completely correct. We have all of these different frequencies. We all all these different. Uh, I, I like to say physical layer, but I know it's not physical, you know, when you're sending electromagnetic energy um, out of the vehicle or anywhere else, but we have all of these things. How can we ensure that our communication is not going to be interrupted or how can we take, uh, keep all of these different scenarios in our, um, our failure mode analysis uh, that we can actually communicate or send, send yeah. signals out, right? And I, I always like to use the uh, reduce, reuse, recycle. This was a thing in the U.S. a long time ago about how to initiate uh, recycling programs. And I love to say, hey, listen, first of all, we use what we have. Let's reduce the interfaces. Let's make it simple, right? We keep things going, right? And then we recycle whatever we have already in vehicles. How can we make that better so that we don't develop new parts, right? So telematics units which are like 10 years old you know from the <laughs> first you know audi implementations or something um how can we update those to make them work better and then reduce reuse i i forgot reuse reuse is of course use the old parts recycle of course is bring in these new technologies like 5g and um uh, make sure that we reuse and recycle the the Verbesserungsvorschlag uh, improvement possibilities in the new components, right? Because and, new technology without the history behind it makes no sense. And then often I think about as well, like people engineering this stuff, like um, that mm. the creativity of the attackers is sometimes really awesome. Like what we have seen, for example, for Amazon Alexa, that the sensor in Amazon Alexa had been attacked by a laser pointer and yeah. people could inject command streams over laser to a sensor, which is the voice sensor of Amazon Alexa. And, and I see the connected car with many sensors placed outside and uh, maybe people think, oh yes, they will do an attack by emulating a specific, let's say, uh, signal which is made for the sensor, but the people are just attacking it by a laser, for example, which is a completely different layer of attack. I mean, this is innovative. Great. Yeah, innovative. Yeah, yeah. I innovative. come on. Uh, these you know these researchers, I, researchers or hackers or people trying to find different use cases or the unintended use case of something. This is great. I think it's amazing, um, and I would. I would uh, tell people to keep doing this. However, when you do it, you have to dis disclose responsibly, you know? Yep. So th that would be my little PBS, uh, you know, announcement, <laughs> announcement. 
responsible. And it's a learning journey for the for the industry as well, yeah. isn't it? It's like because these are a new we are stepping into a new area of technology. And what what I have learned is that industry needs time. There is a lot of things which can go wrong, and engineers need to grow as well with their knowledge. And I, I think you're also talking about the pressure to bring new features and functions to yeah. the market is much more than, hey, listen, we have the pressure to make a secure car. So sometimes you have these new features and functions which you know are released, are they're tested, they're also tracked and hacked and all kinds of stuff. But the OEMs, they can't test everything. Let's it's take impossible. the yeah, yeah, maybe let's take the unlock function of my car via my smartphone. I really would like to know the internal statistics, how often this function has been used by the customers. If this is really a successful function, yes or not. Because I don't see the advantage here. It's like I have to pull my smartphone out of the pocket. Yeah, but for some uh, some people, you know, it is an advantage. <clears throat> yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, but I re really would like to see. Oh, this is a function which is used. This is the USP for this car and for the con consumer to buy this car. Um, to me, it looks like more a proof of concept of the car manufacturer that we are able to do that. And maybe because the competition is doing that as well, we need to do that. We have to. We have to show our directors we can do that. <laughs> Otherwise, we will. We all will lose our job. I mean, this is the way. Sometimes, how this kind of technologies are built in. Um, it's less from a perspective of the customer than from a purpose of the company itself or the engineers itself. Mm -hmm. Actually, I, I would even <clears throat> say it's always the lazy factor, right? how lazy can you be and still successfully open your door right before before you know it where your car is going to know that you're walking up towards it you don't have to pull your phone out of your pocket or anything it's going to recognize your face yeah and say hey this is my owner or with or, my air tank. Or, no 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 you're you'll have an Im, you'll have an <laughs> implant in your hand and that implant will control everything i mean that's what's coming yeah, very good. No, I don't want to have an implant. <laughs> no, of course, I want to pair my AirTag with my car. And if I stand in front of my car with the AirTag in the pocket, it needs to. You know, and, yeah. you know, you know, what would be kind of cool. So I was thinking about this when you're talking about the mesh network and the cars communicating. What if you use that as a dating app? <clears throat> so like you're driving along and you see someone that, you know, they're cute or whatever. The, the, you could communicate with them while you're driving because the car's driving itself. Yeah, it's I, a talking app. Tyler, I think <laughs> we need to stop the podcast and <laughs> make a new uh, new app right now, huh? No, 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 no. <laughs> we don't go to the dating app business now. I have a I have a last point I want to to raise in this podcast, and this is about the right to repair. What my, let's say, fear with connected cars is that we see products because security is built in, like all part has a certificate in there. And if there's no valid certificate, you can't replace the part anymore. Uh, maybe that we, that connected cars are less sustainable 
than unconnected cars because the people are not able to repair them by themselves. Interesting. Because the car manufacturer can, with the security which is built in, doesn't allow that you easily can repair it. For example, there's the water pump is damaged. Normally, this would be something which can do any repair shop. Uh, but the water pump is now part of a super secure uh, platform um, because there's a ECU on it or a small processor on it. And it's, it's, a, it's a critical part of the car. Um, so there will be a, a certificate implemented there, which needs to be paired with the, with the overall security system. If you don't have the right access to the keys to create the right certificate, you can't replace this. I mean, you can replace the, the pump, but the system of the car will not accept it anymore. Uh, yeah, that's, <sighs> that's a big uh, challenge, right? I mean, I'm all for right to repair. I think everybody is is for it besides the, the manufacturers, right? Um, we all want the right when we purchase a car to be able to repair it ourselves to a specific limit, right? Um, we don't want to have to pay a thousand dollars, euros, whatever kind of money you're paying um, to make sure that it's kept up. Uh, but you, you see the issue there too. Uh, how do you solve that technologically? You start talking about certificates yep. and then you're talking about a public key infrastructure um, that has to be publicly accessible. You also have to have parts with certificates which are signed by a third party public key infrastructure. And man, it, it gets complicated real quick. And before you know it, the parts themselves are so expensive that forget trying to repair your car. You can't afford the parts. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe a different viewpoint of that, but. <clears throat> yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> or you need to hack your car. Then we are again at a point if you want to. I mean, we have seen that there was a case in the U.S. with John Deere. This is a rather popular, popular case. Oh, Yeah. yeah where farmers were locked out on repairing their machines uh, for some reason. And this was even like if there was a sensor error or something like that. So, yeah. uh, and they were forced to use, uh, to call an authorized John Deere repair shop uh, to fix this. And you can imagine, I mean, the, the agriculture industry, farmers are always used to repair their stuff. I mean, you have to take your harvest. It's in the next hour before it rains, it, I mean, that's their core skill of the business activities. And then they are in their super brand new connected $1 million harvest machine, super highly connected, and they can't repair it. And their revenue stream is then based on a repair guy coming out. Excellent. And you can see how angry you would be that someone is actually impacting your revenue, yeah. that your livelihood, because... You can't repair it yourself, even though it's an air, it's an air pressure sensor, you know, which goes away after two or three years, anyways. Yeah. <clears throat> I had never thought about it like that about the repairs because I've never thought to repair my my own car. I was writing an article about that uh, one year ago when I was repairing my dishwasher <laughs> because I was thinking about. Because it was a it was a heat pump. It's a it's a one hundred euro part, uh, and this is even like if you if you go to the repair shop with everything, um, this is at the let's say cross 
border where maybe you know adding the repair shop costs you can buy a new dishwasher but but i like to repair things so and i was thinking about this is not a connected dish, dishwasher if this would be the connected model i may be running into trouble because for security reasons this part will be locked to a certain certificate because it's directly connected to the ecu of the dishwasher and stuff like that and mm -hmm. then i've seen it at john deere immediately one year afterwards it was popping up at john deere Yeah. And John Deere, I, I think that's a big topic in the agricultural um, it is. topic, yeah, it is. you know. And it's But, affecting the automotive industry as well, because I've seen that the regulators in the US, some regulators are now thinking about to change the regulation for connected vehicles because of that case. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wow. but how do you ensure all the parts that are repaired are actually authentic, the integrity of those parts? I mean, especially with, you know, supply chain issues as they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but my true answer, maybe the system of tying parts to certificates is not very clever. It, it seems maybe we need another system because I've seen as well suppliers um, producing cars with a lifetime certificate of 50 years or something like that because they, they can't manage the, the keychains uh, and whatever. I mean, it seems to be that. This is not well designed, let's say it in that way, to make the product sustainable. You also have to think about, you know, if OEMs make vehicles that actually, you know, last a hundred years, well, they've actually eaten their own or their own revenue stream, right? They need people to purchase cars more often. And that's why leasing is so attractive for, for OEMs. But uh, you make a car too good, then, well, you only need one. That's entirely, <laughs> you know what? That's entirely true. I mean, you know, I, I, I did something, you know, kind of crazy that I never thought I would want to do, but I decided to buy a car that I leased. And yeah. normally I would never, ever do that. But I mean, because of COVID, it has no miles on it. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. hey, um, it was a great conversation, John. It was really, really, awesome. really awesome. Very informative, John. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me here. I love doing these types of things. Uh, and it's always nice to have great hosts and moderators there to make sure that everything goes as planned. So really, from my side, I, I appreciate it as well. And if you guys ever have a chance, I'd love to come back. Yeah, cool. That would be uh, awesome. That would yeah, be awesome. And, and we talk about privacy, data privacy in cars, yep. to be honest. That would <laughs> and, be and we'll also try to hack Mirko's car. That'll be really fun. <laughs> yeah, we'll give. Uh, we'll tell about the results <laughs> later on. So for the people out there, thanks for listening to us. If you like the show, give us a rate, give us a comment. And by that, thank you very much. Follow us at hackwork.io 